0: Great God in heaven, truly you are worthy. And Father, we do seek to build our life upon your love and upon your word. That is the only firm foundation we can find in this world of sifting sand. Lord, we we love you and we adore you. And Father, as I stand here, I know that I am unworthy and I am unable to proclaim the goodness. And the greatness of Your glory from Your Word as it has been revealed to us. So I ask that in spite of me, in spite of my failures, in spite of my frailty, Lord, that You would speak this morning because all of us need to hear from the truth of Your Word. Lord, we ask that Your Spirit would move amongst us. God, that You would enlighten and illuminate Your Word to us. Lord, that You would convict us. That You would challenge us that you would also give us great comfort and great strength. All this is possible by the power of your Spirit working through your Word. We ask, Lord, that you would move amongst us and speak to us now as we, your children, humbly listen. We ask these things in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, I encourage you to take your Bible and turn with me To the book of Philippians. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's not a problem. We have some in the backs of the pews there in front of you that you can borrow this morning. Or if you don't have a Bible of your own, you can take that Bible as our gift to you. We've got more of them and we'll replenish, so you can take that Bible with you if you would like to do so. If you don't want to follow along in a paginated book, we'll also have the words up on the screen. But we're going to be together once again in the book of Philippians. In the book of Philippians, you get to Philippians. It is the power of the General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Just so you can help remember, because otherwise I can't remember those books without the General Electric Power Company. All right, so we are in Philippians. As you find your place, if you are able, I would ask that you please stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's holy word. As we look together now at Philippians chapter 1... Beginning in verse 12, we'll read through verse 30. We have completed. I will say this is the word of the Lord. I encourage for you to say thanks be to God in reply. Let's look together now at the word of the Lord. Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest. That my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ "...out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope." That I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. For that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you once again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be. As we come to this passage this morning, we are going to spend a lot of time on verses 12 through 30. We're not going to complete everything. This is kind of a part one of verses 12 through through 30 because Paul in the book of Philippians packs so much into such a small book there are so many bedrock formation type verses that we pass through reading through these verses for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain there's so much rich theology and doctrine and instruction for our lives In these verses, we're going to spend time and go slowly through these passages so that we don't miss a single drop of what the Holy Spirit has for us in this message. So, in particular, I want this morning to zoom in on verses 12 through 18. Verses 12 through 18. If you look at verses 12 through 18, Paul is assuring the Philippians that though he is imprisoned, the gospel is still advancing. This is a powerful message that he gives to the Philippians. It's how we know that Paul writes this letter from prison. Even though he is in prison, maybe in some sort of a house prison sentence, he is permitted the ability to write this letter and send them this encouragement. It's a very normal, natural thing in all ancient Greek-type letters, formal letters that were sent, that once you get to a point where you're shifting and transitioning, a good transitional phrase is I want you to know, brothers. This can also be brothers and sisters. So Paul goes, I want you to know, brothers and sisters. So all the introductory words are done. Now let's move on to the meat. This is what I want you to know. This is what you have to rest assured in, that what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. That word advance is used only one other time outside of the book of Philippians. That word means advance or progress or progress. It's used there, and it's also used in verse 25 of this same chapter, and then it's used again in 1 Timothy chapter 4. This word is is used on purpose because it's, it's meant to be a double entendre. It's meant for us to have the thought of progress and advancement. Paul is writing, and he wants for the Philippians to read this and know that he is in prison For the advancement of the gospel, but also as we see in verse 25, for the progress of their faith. This imprisonment that he suffers actually is going to help them progress and mature and grow in their faith. So the trials and the tribulations that we suffer through, the things that we fight against in this life, they serve dual purposes in our lives the same way that they served in Paul's life. Now, I understand some of us may not be imprisoned for the sake of the gospel, but I want to reassure us that the trials and the temptations and the frustrations, the difficulties and the struggles and the diseases and the the storms of life that we face serve two purposes in the life of a Christian. In the life of a Christian, it serves to advance the gospel and to provide progress in our faith. It's to grow our personal faith and to advance the gospel worldwide. Both of those things are being accomplished in trials, in tribulations, in struggles, in a way that they cannot be accomplished outside of that scenario. And so what I want us to focus on is this this word and this term, this advancement and this progress, because Paul tells us in verse 13, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. That's a really nice way of saying that Paul will not shut up about the gospel. A Roman guard comes and says, Paul, here's your meal. Hey, man, thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I just appreciate all that you've done for me. Did I tell you about Jesus? He was born of a virgin, he lived a perfect life, he died the death that we deserved, and he was raised three days later. And if you will put your faith in him, then you can have eternal life. Paul, I was just bringing you lunch. I don't want to hear it again, okay? Oh, man, every time you see the guy, all he has to say is, Jesus this and Jesus that. Everybody in the Roman imperial guard is very well aware of the gospel and the fact that Paul is in prison for Christ. When they bring him dinner, they bring him his third meal. And a new guard, shift is changed. The guard comes and brings him his dinner. And Paul says, you know, I'm in here because I trust in Jesus, right? Have I told you about my friend Jesus? He's a cool guy. Let me tell you about him. He was born of a virgin, all right? Lived a perfect life. Okay, he died the death that we deserve. Didn't have to die, but he died for us. Romans crucified him, but we sent him to that crucifixion. And he died our death, and the Lord raised him from the dead. And if you believe in him, you can have eternal life. And he said, wow, I, I, never, I never really... Hang on, tell me more about that. So some guards are rejecting it, and they go and tell the other Roman guards, man, all this guy talks about is this Jesus person. Some other guards stick around. And even though they got other people to deliver meals to, even though they've got other folks to watch over and guard, they have to stop and listen for a little bit longer because every time somebody from the Roman guard comes by Paul's cell, he uses it as an opportunity to advance the gospel so much so that everyone throughout the whole imperial guard, we're not just talking about those who are responsible for the jail. All right. Paul is so adamant about sharing the gospel that everybody in the whole imperial guard, in all of the palace, in all of those who are assigned to the governor, and all of those who are assigned to be with who Paul is under, they know about it. We're talking about a platoon or a battalion is now aware of the gospel because Paul was put in this prison at this time for this purpose, for this reason. God said, Paul, I'm going to put you in that prison because this this Roman guy over here, who's a guard, needs to hear the gospel. And if I don't let you go to this prison, he'll never hear it. And so, Paul, you go here and you tell people about the gospel. So Paul is reassuring the Philippians, hey, I'm here and I'm in prison, but the gospel is advancing. This is the point for which God put me in this prison so that the gospel could advance. I I don't see any evidence in the text of Paul saying Do you know who I am, Lord? I'm the Apostle Paul, all right? I should be about church business. I should be planting churches out in Ephesus, and I should go back to Antioch and report. i got to take collections back to Jerusalem. Do you not know who I am, Lord? I am important in your kingdom. I cannot be in the dungeons right now. Paul gets thrown in the prison, and he goes, oh, boy, these people have never heard the gospel. God sent me as a missionary to the Gentiles, and look, he's planted me amidst a ton of Gentiles. He like sent me where he told me he was going to send me, and now I can tell these people about Jesus. God just makes it so easy. I don't have to go anywhere. They're literally coming to my cell three times a day. Man, God, thank you. This could not be better. This could not be any better. That is genuinely Paul's outlook on the situation. And you know, it may not be imprisonment, but I wonder how many of us have been through suffering, have been through trials that are very frustrating, that are annoying, that are obnoxious. Trials like, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe you're trying to be a good Christian, good follower of Jesus. And you're trying to keep your language clean and you're working at it. And the Lord puts you in a truck, driving all the way across the county, working, with the most foul-mouthed person in Covington County, and your boss assigned for the two of y'all to ride together, and all of a sudden you are put in all kinds of temptation and trial, and you have to endure being next to this sinner, this godless person with the mouth of a sailor, and I must endure riding next to them. Lord Jesus, don't you know who I am? I'm one of your followers. I'm one of the faithful. Why would you make me ride in the car with this heathen? I can't do it, Lord. I got, I'm important. I'm supposed to be sharing the gospel with people. I'm supposed to be about your business. And the Lord's sitting there thinking, well, you know, I brought somebody who really needs to hear. And I sat him right down next to you and I locked him in a truck for several hours while you guys worked together. I put him next to you so they could see how you work and how you conduct yourself. They can see how you speak. They can see how you drive. They can see Christ all over you. I brought them to you. You ain't even got to go nowhere, and I locked them in a car with you for a while. How many of us end up working next to somebody that we just cannot stand? How many of the teachers in here? Because I know we got a lot of teachers. All right, you get partnered with a team teacher. All right, you got a homeroom, and then y'all swap out, and you're like, this cannot be my team teacher. There's no, I got to go talk to the principal. I got to go talk to the superintendent. I can't work with these people, okay? This is not going to happen. Paul's stuck in a prison. And instead of telling God who he is and how he can't be in the prison, he can't be around these godless Romans, he sees it as an opportunity to grow in his own faith and to advance the gospel. Folks, I, I want you to hear from my very lips and from the word of the Lord Himself that God has put you where you are On purpose and for a purpose. The people around you at your work, at school, in class. You might be sitting next to the class clown. You might be sitting next to somebody who thinks they're a Christian, but they're not really a Christian. You might be working next to heathens. You might be working next to people who just attend church at Christmas and Easter and think that's okay. And think that they're fine, but they don't know Jesus. They don't live Jesus. They don't love Jesus. And God put you there to influence them and grow your faith and my faith in the process. God brought everybody to where they are on purpose and for a purpose. God brought Jake to our church at this particular time to influence our students. But now he's also in the hall, down the hall, right from me. All right. If I talk too loud on the phone, he has to put up with how loud my voice is. And y'all can tell right now that's a struggle for him. Okay, I'm a loud person. I feel bad for him. God put him there on purpose and for a purpose, not just to influence and advance the gospel through our students, but so that my faith might grow, and so his faith might grow, and so Jason's faith might grow, here at this church, in the church office, day in and day out, so that I can learn and grow from praying for him and praying with him, so that I can learn and grow from Jason for praying for him and with him. And I want you to know where you work, where you live, where you eat, where you go, you're there for the advancement of the gospel And the maturing of your faith. God doesn't do this stuff by accident. The people who work around you are your mission field. And that's the hardest mission field to reach because they see you at your high and at your low. They don't just see you on Sunday or on Wednesday night. Hey, it's good to see you. Oh, yeah, had a great week. Been great, been fantastic. They see you when the boss comes in and chews you up one side and down the other and they see how you respond. Maybe you are the boss. They see how you lead. They see how you manage and supervise. And I wonder how many of us in our workplaces are living like Paul lived in the prison and going, God, thank you. You brought them right to me. This is the person I need to reach. This is the person that I can share with. This is the person that I can tell that you are real and that that you are worth following. This is the person I can show that I've built my life on you. And maybe it will make a difference for them for all eternity. Even if you're retired, where you go and where you shop, when you spend time with your family, this applies in all of those scenarios. Paul was put in prison around these guards so that the whole Roman imperial guard would know about Christ and know why Paul was in prison. And some of them probably came to believe and joined the churches that Paul was planting. Folks, sometimes we we don't have this mentality that Paul had. It's not about me, it's not about my circumstances, it's about him. It's about His kingdom. It's about advancing the gospel by whatever means necessary. Which brings us to the rest of these verses. Pick up with me in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. But the former, the first people he talked about, Proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? What's the big deal? What's it matter? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So this, this ties in probably... To what we read about in first Corinthians and some in second Corinthians, there's a lot of opponents of Paul, not necessarily these Judaizers, so to speak, the people that came in behind Paul and said that you have to follow the law, believe in the gospel and follow the letter of the law. But these are the people that said that Paul was weak and that Paul was imprisoned and that Paul's not really an apostle because look, he's not a very eloquent speaker. And so these people went around, and they preached the message of Christ. And the reason they preached the message of Christ is so people could hear how good of a speaker they were. Ah, let me speak to you the words of Jesus. I'm here this morning, and I can speak better than Paul. Let me tell you about Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He did live a perfect life. He did die in your place. And he did rise again from the dead. And you can have eternal life. Now, every head be bowed and every eye be closed. And let me see some hands and make some decisions. Folks, they're preaching out of envy and rivalry with Paul. Their point is to prove how weak and inefficient and ineffective Paul is. And Paul says, oh, no, I'm so hurt. I think I'm going to give up. I don't know if I can preach anymore. You mean to tell me that there's people out there talking about Jesus just to spite me? Oh, Lord, help me. What are we going to do? Use them, Jesus. Save people through them anyway. But I don't care. <laughs> you want to make me look like a fool? I can look like a fool. I don't care. It's not about me. It's about the gospel. And if they're out there preaching the gospel, even if they're doing it to prove they're better than me, I don't care. I just want the gospel to go forward. I just want for people to believe in Jesus. I just want for eternity to be changed in hearts and lives across all of the world. That's Paul's attitude. Not this bickering and backbiting that we run into even between us and our sister churches in Covington County. If Kevin Wilburn is preaching at First Baptist Andalusia and people are being saved, we are going to rejoice at Bethany. If Mike Flowers is preaching at Southside and people are getting saved, we're going to rejoice at Bethany. Who cares which church it's in if the gospel is advancing? And we're going to keep trusting in Jesus and following Jesus and progressing in our faith and advancing the gospel here at Bethany and praying that God will let people come to know Jesus here and trust in Jesus here and there and everywhere. Because it's not about Nathan. It's not about Bethany. It's about Jesus the Christ. And, folks, that's the attitude Paul had. People need Jesus. And it reminds me, okay, I, I debated on whether or not to talk about this, but anybody learn this week that Popeye's came out with a chicken sandwich? Anybody see that on the Internet? I need you to raise your hand because if you don't raise your hand, we ain't going to talk about it. We're going to move on. All right, I see some hands up. Okay, so Popeye's comes out with a chicken sandwich that's just like Chick-fil-A, Okay. And then Chick-fil-A sends something to them on social media, and Popeye's sends something back, and then a social media war erupts. And everybody's like, Chick-fil-A's better. And everybody's like, Popeye's is better. And then Popeye's lines are through the block, around the corner, and back around again. They sold out. 65% of their locations sold out of the chicken sandwich. And then Chick-fil-A started selling more chicken sandwiches because people would go and eat the Popeye's chicken sandwich and go, mmm, oh. That's all kinds of good. what that one taste like again? I'm going to go back over here. I'm going to give me one from Chick-fil-A. Mmm, I don't, I don't know. I got to try this one again. And people are buying chicken sandwiches like crazy. So Popeyes and Chick-fil-A are raking in money hand over fist. Do you think they really care about who wins the social media war? Do you think they really care about who gets deemed as the best chicken sandwich? No. They just want to sell chicken sandwiches. That's all they care about. It doesn't matter if we're better than the other church or if the other church is better than us. Just tell people about Jesus. Get people in church somewhere. We live in a culture where people just show up at church and just pretend to worship Jesus. I don't care where they're going. If they will dive in and read God's Word and learn who Jesus is and follow Him and trust Him and then take that and advance the Gospel in their own life in their workplace, these two things are tied hand in hand. Paul doesn't care that he's in a Roman prison because he's going to advance the gospel. Paul doesn't care that other people are preaching the gospel as long as the gospel goes forward. And folks, just in case you may have missed it, the gospel that Paul is contending for is the simple fact that you and I are rebels and traitors and we have repeatedly committed acts of treason against a perfect and holy God. A God who made everything in perfection, spoke it all into existence. Everything else in all of creation obeyed Him perfectly. And yet we, made in His image, rebelled against Him. And to this day, we still are in a state of rebellion and betrayal of His grace and His goodness and His mercy. And because of that, we are eternally condemned To death and fire and damnation. That is what we have brought upon ourselves. John chapter 3 says we stand condemned already if we do not have Christ. But God, being rich in mercy, saw our need and had compassion on us. He didn't have to do a thing, but He chose to redeem us by sending His one and only Son To be born of a virgin. To live a perfect life and fulfill every single letter of the law. It was fulfilled in His life. And then, even though He did not deserve the death, we're told in the book of Romans that the wages of sin is death. He took that death for us. The Bible tells us that whoever believes in Jesus the Christ Whoever calls upon his name, whoever gives their life to him, can have eternal life and hope of resurrection the same way that that perfect Savior who didn't have to die was raised from the dead. We can have hope of being raised from the dead. And we can have hope that the moment that we die will be followed by immediately being in the presence of our Savior To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so what we can count on if we believe in this Jesus is that when we close our eyes in death, when we breathe out our last breath, it's followed immediately by our first fresh breath in, face to face with our God and our Maker. And He greets us in love and mercy. Even though I deserve to be cast from his presence, because of Christ, he covers my sin, and I stand before him righteous. Not because I was a preacher, not because I did good stuff, because I'm a traitor, I've, I've committed treason against him, but he looked on his Son and granted me salvation. That's the gospel. That we must advance by any means necessary. Wherever we are, wherever God has placed us, He has made us His ambassadors to send out into this world with the message of hope. There's no plan B. It's us. He granted us this privilege. So let us imitate Paul and imitate Christ. And don't count where we work or who's around us as any kind of a suffering or a trial, but just as we're told in James, count it all joy and use it to grow the kingdom, to grow our own faith. And so this morning, the challenge for you and for me is where you work and where you live and where you eat and where you go. Are you living like Paul in the prison? Am I living like Paul in the prison? Do I say, oh, woe is me that I must be around these people. Woe is me that I have cancer, Lord. When God has allowed that to happen so that there could be a particular person that you run into when you're getting treatments, and that person can come to know Jesus because you were there, that's worth our life. That's worth my life. That's worth my death. But is that me? Is that you? That's the attitude that we take when we leave this place to face any trial or tribulation. Count it joy and use it to grow our faith and to grow the kingdom of God. I can't answer that for you. That's between you and our Maker and our Father. That's between me and my Maker. How will you answer? Great God in heaven, thank You for saving us. For those who believe, thank You that there is an option to not face death and destruction. Thank You, Lord, that You use us. God, You you don't need us to advance Your Gospel, but You chose to use us. Father, thank You. Lord, help us to live up to what you've called us to do. Help us to be your witnesses and your ambassadors, just like Paul in that prison, wherever you've put us, wherever you've placed us, whatever life circumstance we find ourselves in, Lord. Let us use our sicknesses, our diseases, our financial troubles, our struggles, the people we work with, our jobs, our occupations, our family, our children, our mothers, our fathers, our grandfathers, our aunts and uncles and cousins as an opportunity. To grow the kingdom that you have declared is here and is still coming. God, inspire us and cause us to show your love in and word and deed. Oh, God. Father, forgive us. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I know that I have not lived a life that measures up to that what we've spoken about this morning. Father, change our hearts. Cause us to love you with reckless abandon, to passionately pursue you so that all that matters in our hearts and minds is the advancement of the gospel. The message that there is hope in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Lord, we ask that you move during this time of response spirit would work among us we would respond to you however you lead we ask these things in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit